Mr. Burns, I think we can trust the president of Cuba. That's one of my favorite lines ever in The Simpsons. And that is how we'll kick things off. Just you and I tonight, Dan. And as we say this, or as we record this, vaccines are a thing, apparently, in our COVID world. So as we'll look back one day in the future, as we listen to this, we'll go, oh, yeah. Maybe the end was in sight and we can start going back to places again. I can't wait for it where one of us comes back from a trip and we can actually just talk about one that happened like the previous week or something like that. Um, yeah, it's a, a long time coming. I mean, I mean, we'll be able to record one actually like in a quiet pub somewhere as well. It would be amazing. Wouldn't that be nice? Mm-hmm. One day. So uh, you get things started tonight. You crack one open. What are you having? Well, I sent you a beer of some nice, uh, sorry, a picture of some nice dark ones I picked up from the LCBO, uh, Summerhill LCBO, which is like my, you know, sweetie store, basically. Um, but, you know, because it's our earliest podcast we've ever recorded, I think, actually, 5pm, so I thought I'd go for a, a Founders All Day IPA. It's a lovely, uh, sessionable beer, and, uh, you know, obviously one of the things that kind of ropes me into buying this each time I see it in the LCBO is that it is a big can. It's a big oh, can. Goodness. Of... That's the, that's like an extra tall can. Yeah, it's, it's a beauty. It says it's 19.2 fluid ounces, so it's just just under a pint. So, yeah, this is a, a great one to start the ball rolling on a Friday for me. Uh, what are you drinking? Uh, I'll just say I guess we'll have to have a bathroom break halfway through this one. Um, this one I'm going actually the opposite. I have a little can. Um, I, I actually did go to the LCBO too. It did not go local because the LCBO, they have all these, as we record this again for future posterity, it's December and they all have the, the holiday specials and stuff. So I pick up a few things. I've actually got a couple Scottish beers upstairs and this is one of them. It's, it's Harvey's town brewery, although town is T O U N. So I don't know if you do it with the Scottish Harvey's tune. Um, yeah, I think old, it'd be Toon that, I think. Yeah, Harvest Toon. Yeah, Harvey, Harvey's Toon Brewery. Uh, old engine oil, craft stout, and I've had a few of these. I went back, and they are tasty. Like, it's, it's, it's a really good one. It's a nice, dark, tasty, tasty, full-flavored stout. And, yeah, and it's, you know, uh-oh, now we're good. Um, almost, <laughs> almost did another pour, pour there. Um Yes, so I'm quite a fan of this one. I've got a few still kicking around. So uh, it's just me tonight, Dan, just going with the one story. I'll try to fill half an hour of our time, at least-ish. And I think, uh, I think I can do it. This was, this was a good CONCACAF adventure for me. No, no, this is a challenge for you. I don't know if we've done this before, just one of us talking about one place. We were originally going to add in uh, my mum's town of Glossop uh, near Manchester, <laughs> but we decided to link between... Uh, Gav's place and Glossop was a little bit too tenuous, so uh, we'll save that one for another episode. <laughs> couldn't, could and even even by our, even by our own limited standards of tying places together, uh, it was too much of a stretch for even us. I know, I know. Like I kind of enjoy the tenuous links. Like I don't mind you know, just like oh, it's, it sounds a bit similar and stuff like that. But yeah, Glossop to Cuba was a little bit of a stretch, even for us. Yes. So yes, as you mentioned, Cuba, I've uh, been there once and it was for a 2012 Olympic qualifying uh, for the 
for the 2014 World Cup. Canada was in a group with Cuba, Honduras, and Panama. Of course, that ended in the famous 8-1 game, which uh, I'm going to have to might claim another whole episode for that one too one day. But um, yes, this was Cuba away. And oddly enough, when the draw was made, as, as just such a weird thing, Cuba was the seeded team in this group. Oh wow! Wow, because it, there's there's no names in that squad at all. I looked at the uh, lineups from that day and I thought well, maybe I might recognise one or two Cuban players. No, it's not. They're not ringing any bells for me. So that that is wow! What an absolute what a lovely group for Canada that was then. Yeah, well, I mean, by the time they by the time Cuba came to Canada, this was when you know players got off the bus and turned into the hotel and a couple got off the bus and turned the other way. So this was one of those, that was one of those times when they, when they went to Canada. I remember uh, Ben Rycroft who moved on to work with Ontario soccer. He did a whole lot of on those players who, who disappeared or at least one of them anyway, who ended up staying in Canada. But anyway, this is the away game. And as we all know, Canada's away struggles are, are legendary at this point, or, you know, at least in Canadian soccer circles, they're legendary. But this was this was a rare win. 1-0, Olivier Ossian the goal, and I think it was David Edgar with an outside-of-the-boot cross. You, Dan, you saw the highlights already. Yeah, it was a, it was a lovely, tidy cross. Like, I, I kind of, like, had an inkling it might have been Edgar, but I was like, nah, it's like he didn't really have that kind of finesse, you know, when he kind of put the ball over. But it was a, a lovely cross. No, awful marking, let's not get wrong. There was some pretty dodgy football throughout this game from what I saw, but uh, awful marking. But the, the crossover was, yeah, a lovely little outside of the boot, perfect weight on it. It's lovely. Yeah, Ocean with the finish. Can I think De Guzman hit the cross? De Guzman or De Rosario hit the crossbar in the first half. Lars Hirschfeld was red carded for uh, handling the ball outside the area. Yeah, that was pretty dopey. That was dopey. That one. <laughs> you see, that was he was miles out, and he tried to like <laughs> drop it so he didn't get caught. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Uh, well, there obviously there was no VAR, so you never know. Might have gotten away with it, but yeah, that one was was pretty obvious. Yeah, it was a game that uh, good Canadian turnout in that awful, awful facility in Cuba, which was uh, something interesting anyway. I can get more into that. But, uh, yeah, it was a an epically hot day and, you know, full sun. Uh, we were fortunately under a shaded area. But, uh, yeah, the Estadio Pedro Marrero um, – yeah, it was it was one to remember for sure. And I'll note, point out there was a, a fairly decent Canadian media contingent that day. Uh, Kurt Larson, when he was at the Toronto Sun, was down there. He had been down a few days. Uh, Steve Botcher, your friend and mine from Red Nation Online, made the trip. VJ Settler, who um, also you know has, has popped up in and around Canadian meet soccer media coverage and Rudy Schuler. So oh and I'll never, I won't uh, I forget to point out Michael Lewis who is you know the godfather of soccer reporting in North America. Uh if you know the name you know Michael uh one of the nicest guys you'll meet. He uh you know ventured down from the US. He got you know permission and all that to go down. So it was a good good group to be around in on that hot hot day in in Havana. So tell me about this stadium then, um, because you know, from the highlights, 
Now it starts the highlight package where it just looks like they're playing in the forest. There's just loads of trees behind them. But then it zoomed out to just a normal kind of picture. And it was just sort of like, you know, you kind of general you know, kind of worn down running track that probably doesn't get used that much, fans a little bit too far away from the action. It, it looked like he kind of general, kind of, um, I suppose, you know, Central American kind of fare, really. I am so glad you mentioned the running track because it was, A, so old, but B, also patched up in certain areas, that places that looked newer. But I don't know if they used, it. you know, uh materials of any quality because there were squishy parts where liquid rubber would leak out and i would sort oh. of put my foot down and there are a few times where it you know just for fun it would stick to the bottom of my shoe and it was i mean it might have been the heat too but it, it must have been poorly made but yeah we were all under one kind of stand that kind of wrapped around uh with you know, a roof that was, you know, it was there, I guess. And the, the state stand on the other side, um, had to have been condemned. I mean, I can't see anybody on it. I know years before, uh, Jerry, Sportsnet sent Jerry Dobson and Craig Forrest down for a World Cup qualifier between the two. And I'll never forget because I think they did the stand up from that stand. And in the intervening years, I don't think people would have been allowed there because it just didn't look very good. Um, the the scoreboard was like it was a massive scoreboard, but the scores themselves were were tiny. Like it was this big green board, and it almost had like this like generic foot kicking a ball, just sort of painted on, just sort of like you go to a uh, you know a department store and see a T-shirt that says soccer, and you know there's a boot, <laughs> foot boot kicking a ball, and that's kind of what it was. And then there was like Canada and Cuba, and then there was sort of a, a clubhouse up top where. You know, as Canada's training, and on the match day minus one training session the day before the game, uh, teams tend to be quite secretive. But, you know, there are guys just sort of leaning over, looking down from the clubhouse, getting a, you know, a fair view of what Canada was, was working on. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a... <laughs> it was a modest facility for for media like myself. I've I've mentioned before the always challenge in Concacaf of trying to get Wi-Fi workable internet was never going to happen in Cuba. Um, we all had to file back from our hotels where we bought you know internet time essentially, and so you know we all informed our guests to be like you're going to be waiting for a bit. We're not going to have something right away, and then. Uh, yeah, and then even on the day itself, you know, there's no press box. There's no media seating set aside. It's as if, you know, a communist country doesn't like journalism. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we were fighting for, like, plastic tables and chairs with some guys who were already there and just sort of looking around. And I think we were all shoehorned around a couple small round tables. Uh, some Canadian fans made the trip because, obviously, Cuba, a very popular, you know, resort destination for Canadians. It was a fun trip, you know, to see... You know, all of them. I'll never forget the guy who wore the no sex till the hex t-shirt and poor bastards. That's still going uh, eight years on <laughs> and the hex doesn't <laughs> even exist anymore. But uh, it was it was a uh, you know, it was it was a game that had, you know, I actually do remember some of the action on the field because we've mentioned, uh, you know, we could probably not remember the games themselves. Uh, but it was also, you know, it was a feast for the senses to look around and and 
fair play to the Cuban fans. They came out and made some noise and uh, were in full voice. And it was a great, great atmosphere for the day. And I noticed that this stadium is supposed to be a multi-purpose one. So, you know, obviously athletics used to happen there, you know, a couple of decades earlier before they did a, made absolute mince meat at the track. Um, but, you know, when you say the scoreboard, the scores aren't really, really small. Is it because the scoreboard was probably used for other sports mainly? Do you, do you think it was because it had all the athletic standings on there? Or do you think perhaps, they, you know, I don't know, it probably wasn't, from what I've seen, it wasn't very suited to baseball. But do you think other sports went on there as well? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it. there must have been something behind the score because it was just like almost like a generic green painting with a, with a couple slots for the score. So there must have been something more than just that because they actually did play uh, baseball once upon a time there. And I remember there was a plaque, oh, okay. there was a plaque saying, uh, you know, so-and-so team came down to play in such-and-such year, I think. Um, the, yeah, the stadium, it hosted the 1937 Bacardi Bowl, which was uh, a college football game played in Havana uh, seven times. Obviously, uh, that doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 it shows its age. It's definitely uh, it's got its wear and tear quite visible. And um, but you know, you you do what you can in these certain areas. And fans came out, and made it a great atmosphere. And there was a you know the the Canadians struggled to a win. I'll I'll note the surface too. The pitch was you know this very thick thatch grass. That uh, you know you see a lot in Central America and the Caribbean, uh, tough to play on, um, and uh, but you know it was the definition of of the smash and grab victory. And I remember Milan Borian was in goal at the time, and as soon as full time whistle sounded, he made a beeline over to the Canadian supporters and joined in the celebrations. Then I'm sure relief etched on his face. Now, one thing that surprises me from what you're saying is that the Cuban fans kind of drove up a good atmosphere. And, like, for me, I kind of assume that Cubans don't really care about football because, you no, know, well, we were, you know, we discussed it before, there are not many big names in that side that played that day. There's not been a great deal of, you know, Cuban influence around uh, around the world, really. I think Onel Hernandez, who, um, who plays for Norwich City, I think he might have been the first Cuban to play in the Premier League last season. But Cuban hasn't had a great footprint on the world scene and uh, you know in football and also you know I know that they love their boxing over there I know that you get a lot of people defecting to become professional because they're not allowed to become professional if they stay in Cuba and they're obviously mad for the baseball but I just didn't think there was an appetite for football um I think there there is it might be growing due to the sort of growing internet you know the international stature and how how prevalent soccer is everywhere these days i mean you look at uh, you know a guy like Ozzy Alonso who played with the Seattle Sounders for a number of years and he was a guy who who came over and i think you know when you have so many people defect and it's not your top sport like cuba can stay great at baseball because they have a never ending pipeline but uh yeah i mean there there was a thought that you know, since they were the seeded team, this was sort of a, a good time for them, but it, it didn't turn out that way. And when you continually have every international tournament, you're playing, you know, in CONCACAF tournaments, you're playing in the U.S. quite often, and it's such an easy place to defect. Uh, I remember covering even the 2012 Women's Olympic qualifying in Vancouver, and there were a couple of the women on Cuba who just, you know, hopped in a cab and made a beeline for the border. So, um, you know, baseball, I think they play it a little more 
you know, outside of Cuba, internationally anyway. Uh, but with so many soccer tournaments in the U.S., I think it's an easy spot for them to you know, to jump off and, and seek a new life. But, um, you, you know, one thing I did notice when we would be sort of going around Havana is that first, uh, kids would be outside playing. I mean, you know, being in Canada where uh, you almost, not almost don't see that anymore. There's there's f- so much less uh, just getting out there and playing than I remember. Uh, but when you'd be going around there, the parks would be full of kids playing baseball and, and playing soccer. So I think there is an appetite. It's just uh, infrastructurally and, and, you know, with with other issues that I mentioned with defections, it's it's what's holding it back. But, um, you know, it is it, it does seem to be there is an audience for it. There were a lot of, you know, Barcelona and, and Real Madrid kits when I was there. So um, there is there's there's something. But I. I I don't know what it'll take to sort of move it more onto the map. I mean, I know with, um, you know, a sport like volleyball, where they've had some good teams over the years, players who have gone abroad to play, who were sort of banned from the national program, are now being welcomed back. And so maybe they're relaxing things a little bit. Oh, that'd be fantastic if they are. Um, you know, it'd be nice for instance, to make a little bit more of an imprint. And uh, yeah, I, I double checked uh, Ona Hernandez for Norwich City, and I was right. And his uh, hometown's actually called Moron. So there you go. Uh, you, you learned something the other day. And I was actually looking, uh, before I ask you a little bit more about the match day experience, I was looking at a couple of random facts, uh, Cuban facts, and I've got one for you. Um, in Cuba, papaya is known as fruta bomber, which obviously means bomb fruit. Uh, because the word papaya is slang for vagina. So there's a little <laughs> <fact for> you there. <laughs> there you go. Hey, you never knew that, did you? So um, the match day experience, um, like, is there, you know, the the you know equivalent to the English, you know, pie and a pint, or you know, the, anything like that? Do they have like a a food that they go for? Do they do they like you know are they nailing a certain type of beer in the crowd or something like you know what what's going on? I honestly don't remember anything. Um, I just don't remember anything being available. Granted, we were there well in advance, but I, I I didn't eat anything. I didn't drink anything. I think we brought, you know, I had a, you know, I filled up my water bottle before coming. But I mean, the local beer is uh, uh, there's Cristal, and then there's Bucanero, which I think is a bit of a darker one, and it's not bad. Um, uh, I know Steve Steve Botcher. Uh, he was a big Buccaneero fan, and here is one thing I do, yeah, I, I can remember is that Coca Cola is technically illegal, and you're not illegal in Cuba. It's just not legally sent there. And I think it, Cuba and North Korea are the only two countries where it's not sent, but uh, it is sent from Canada, kind of through black market ways. So we got it at our hotel, um, and you, you know. From it's from Canada essentially, so Canadian Coca Cola. At least when I was there, of course things might have changed and spent a few years, but um, yeah, we uh, we're, we're supplying the Cubans with our sweet sweet Coca Cola. So you know, because you didn't go go down with the uh, riffle raffle and see what they were drinking and eating and stuff like that, I assume you were you know lording it up in the media area and stuff like that. Gav, I sure it was very uh, fancy fancy uh, facilities for you there. Yeah, with with those little with those little round tables that we mentioned uh, right at the top. I mean, fans <laughs> were walking by us. Uh, you know, it was we essentially I don't, we didn't even cordon it off, but we were at the top of the stand, and that was about it. But uh, even getting down there, uh, you know, usually, you know, when when media is going, 
they get you know a credential is sort of set aside for you it's all arranged in advance um this one <laughs> as we found out when we got down there we also needed a journalist visa which um I think only Kurt got it, and he told us about it in advance. But, I, I mean, I remember just being like, yeah, but that's because you're American. You know, we're fine. We, uh, <laughs> we, we like, you know, we get along with Cuba. And so, you know, when you go through uh, customs, first of all, you go you go up to the desk but there's like a door there so you you know you've traveled enough to know that you know you can see through onto the other side once you get your passport stamped and all that in cuba there's a door you don't know what's on the other side so for half a second you're like what what am i getting into um but they <laughs> you know they you know they don't stamp your passport i didn't get it stamped you get your little your little paper and so we only found out the day before the game that media covering you needed to get a an approved media pass from the Cuban government uh, or from one of their offices. And so the day before the game, after Canada trained, you know, those of us who didn't get it, that's pretty much everyone outside of Kurt. And I think, you know, Michael Lewis obviously also planned in advance the American. Uh, so we go to this office. It, there's no lighting. Like it's, there's a fan on, I don't even think there was a security guard, but there's nobody there. Um, and there was all this, the walls were covered with all these sort of posters of like Obama, you've won the Nobel Peace Prize, now earn it. And then all these posters of, you know, we don't want nuclear war. And it's like, well, whoever said you did other than, you know, maybe the Cuban Missile Crisis, but that was during JFK's time. Anyway, there's nobody in this office. And so we're sitting. And we're like, is someone supposed to come? Uh, hang on, this this office though is is this like um, are these posters of the person whose office it is? And you think no, this person's a particularly big fan of this stuff, or do you think this is just like no, they was, all have was, this kind of stuff in this, there? It was sort of a big open hall, and and this was the wall art, okay. essentially, and it was covering it. And um, I can't remember. I, there might have been a security guard there, but of course he was no help. And we thought, you know, we walk in, they might, you know, someone might come out and say hello. No. Um, eventually, I just sort of welled up. You know, I got tired of waiting. This was maybe twenty minutes, and I go to this door uh, and I open it, and there's a woman inside, just sitting down, and she's like, "One minute," and it's like, "Okay," and eventually she comes out to to get us and we go in and it was me uh vj rudy and steve and we all sat down and you know she you know we say we're here to cover the game and she goes okay passports and visas um and you know we give the little tourist visa thing that we'd gotten the little piece of paper and she looks at it and she goes you were supposed to get a journalist visa <laughs> and uh of course we're in cuba and you know it's, it's i'll just say it's different from most countries and you know having heard kurt say he'd gotten his already i sort of you know i didn't want to pretend to be completely dumb but i welled up all my high school acting experience and you know oh, no we needed a journalist visa <laughs> what nobody told us and of course it would have been helpful if we'd gotten some you know some governmental advice or you know advice from somebody uh to confirm it to say hey media covering this game you'll need this this and this but we didn't get any we went down blind uh so we were you know we did our best acting and she did the whole oh okay you know i'll i'll, I'll do it for you this time so i can't remember what it cost i think it was like 50 bucks uh to get this you know approved media credential it was the only time i've ever had to pay for a media credential um 
And then, uh, so yeah, so the day of the game, uh, you know, we're up in the stands and then the game ends and we go down to the field and there's a security guard there and we show them our thing and a good thing we had it because he led us onto the field and uh, and that's where we did our, our post-game interviews. But it was, the whole experience is, you know, next time if there's a World Cup qualifier in Cuba, A, I know what to do and B, if you're a journalist thinking of going, I'm more than happy to give you advice. But it, uh, yeah, it was it was an interesting experience to cover it as a journalist and you know i jokingly going going in i say you know with with you know given cuba's government i you know i'm like ooh, we're going behind the iron curtain <laughs> <laughs> so you know how i know i, I must admit i you know when i was younger i kind of felt must you know felt like a bit of a communist you know you know you know living living in hard shrewsbury you know i, I my my mum went on a holiday there with my stepdad um probably early 2000s um they really enjoyed it and you know the stories they told me it really really interested me and you know they came back with me like you know some kind of shake of our and fidel castro memorabilia you know, and at the time I was listening to a lot of Manic Street preachers as well. So I, I fancy myself a, you know, a real communist. But, you know, I'm obviously getting the, you know, the 14-year-old me or however old, old I was. You know, it was getting, certainly getting like a rose-tinted view of it. I mean, like, what is this communist country like? You know, like, how, I mean, was it a culture shock? Were you just floored by it? It was, it, yeah, I mean, it was different. I wouldn't say it was a culture shock. Um, you know... There are uh, Havana in particular because we flew into Veradero and we took a bus um, into into Havana and you know there are the old cars there which are really cool uh, the buildings there's there's a lot of faded glory to them but the architecture in Havana is is you can tell that once upon a time there were some really stately kind of buildings there uh, you know one restaurant in particular that we went to was called La Guarita. And uh, you sort of go upstairs, and first you go into this, it looks like it's abandoned, this foyer of this building. It looked like it was quite grand, and then you climb up these stairs, and you go inside. And, uh, you know, there are pictures on the wall of famous people who have been there. And, I mean, you know, think of your typical socialist-loving people like Harry Belafonte and the rest of that, you know, and a lot of baseball players and stuff. Uh, But anyway, there's... You can tell that once upon a time these were quite impressive buildings. They've they've lost a lot of their luster, um, and uh, but it's yeah. I mean, you could say it was a culture shock in in some ways, just because um, you know it's a taxi based economy. It felt like at times, or if someone has a car, they have a taxi, and we had you know some wild ones where you know we hop into one and we want to roll down the window, and there's no you know handle to roll the window down so the driver notices that and he you know takes his off and hands it back to us and so we hook it on and so everybody passed around the window roller upper um and uh you know it's such you know from what you always hear it's always like you know the people who live in miami was that communism and castro were evil and then from others you know you hear you know he's done so much and you know obviously he's gone i may be wrong and people can correct me if i'm wrong but a lot of the the miami uh community of cuba is people descended of you know those who were quite well off under batista who was a buddy of the americans who was of course overthrown by the communists so um there's a lot of different shades of gray in this in this story and um 
Yeah, it's uh, it was it was certainly interesting. Like I said, being out in the streets, there were uh, you know kids playing sports all over the place, which I found interesting. But they're also just sort of you know people leaning in their windows, just kind of looking out and you know looking out to the street and and people watching or not really doing much. And then of course you know and then walking around Havana at night, you know there'd be the guys who sort of hush tones to you, just say you know chicas chicas chicas, and we're like. Uh, no, thank you. No gracias. And, you know, obviously, you know what services they're offering. Um, and then, you know, in our hotel, I shared a room. We, you know, saving costs and everything. I shared a room with, with Steve and, and VJ. We had three beds in our room. You know, pretty decent enough hotel. Um, the one thing that, that if Cuba, you know, once Cuba, if Cuba becomes you know and the end of communism there is uh, all the chain stores hotels restaurants that will move in and uh, you know would lose some of the uh a unique culture not culture but um unique tourism kind of thing where there's no major american kind of chain everything uh i think the hotel we stayed at was was owned by some something out of spain um it it just made it feel different than than everywhere you go when there's a marriott and a holiday inn and a sheraton and that's all you got um yeah i mean our hotel was was simple enough it had a pool which was great um, and uh, we were right near the Russian embassy, which picture as you would a Russian embassy. It looks like that. <laughs> it was this big <laughs> kind of colossal kind of tower standing ominously above. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it was different uh, from, you know, the taxis being everywhere two currencies there's the cuban peso and the cuban convertible peso for tourists um and uh yeah and it it just felt like there were more you know more people out and about which just doesn't you know you don't always feel that in places yeah i mean i'll, I'll fill through one of my little facts here while we're at it um about Cas castro when uh, when he came into power in cuba in 1959 one of his first acts was uh, ordering every Monopoly set in the country to be destroyed. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it makes all the sense. And, like, I spoke, you know, he would have still been kicking when you were there. Um, like, when you're walking around a place, are there, like, images of him everywhere? Does, it, is, does he seem like a constant presence? Or, or did it not seem that kind of domineering? I did notice some art. I think there was some of, of Fidel and of... Uh... And of Che, uh, you know, with some slogans painted on, uh, yeah, going around, you know, Havana, there is there is some of that. It's not, you know, it wasn't kind of rah rah kind of patriotism, but I mean, it's it's people living their lives, and uh, you know, there's you know, there's people walking around doing doing their business daily, and um, you know, it felt a little, a little cramped in Havana at times, especially after the game when we're trying to get a taxi back to our hotel, um, and you know, we're all trying to figure out how to file and it was it was pretty mad outside with with so many people uh you know clogging up the streets but um yeah it's not you know i'm sure if i'd stayed there longer i would have noticed it a little more overtly but um it was it wasn't you know in your face everywhere you go yeah it's it's, it's weird because like cuba's almost like a case study in like you know how communism is and you know this part you know I say this part of the world and this part of you know, the globe, um, like 
because my, my mum said one really I I messaged my mum about it earlier just what, what she remembers and she said one thing she really remembers was that you know when you're in the restaurant all the waiters were all really highly qualified and I I th- and I've, and I I looked into it as to why that might be and their literacy rate is really high like among the top ten in the world so like there's some aspects where. You know, Castro, you know, Fidel Castro got rid of the, um, you know, privatization of education and stuff like that. Like there's some aspects of communism which have worked really, really well. But you know, obviously there are other aspects where they've had food rationing for you know on and off for such a long time. And you know, and she had the same observation about Havana, where the buildings were beautiful, but they were crumbling and could have done with a lick of paint. You know, ten or so years ago, and that was she went there. She went there ten years before you did. So. Um, it's it's so so fascinating and actually I'll, I'll go back to it something i just said about the food rationing one thing i've heard about cuba from a few people who've been there is that the food's crap um i know a lot of people go to resorts and just eat in resorts when they're there but the people who've been out and about i've heard the food's not good um and i kind of i've always been a little bit skeptical when people said that to me yeah, I mean, well, I, again, it, for me, it was just a limited experience. I, uh, I was, I, I mentioned La Guarita, and it, it, uh, it was suggested to me from someone, and and I, I can't recommend it enough. I mean, it was, it was really tasty stuff. I mean, they had some, you know, it was, you know, as you would imagine. Uh, you know, pretty sure we had some seafood and some other little dishes, and they were really well done. But yeah, we had, you know, just a handful of days there, so we didn't you know get much done and i'm sure i i'm from what you've said it, it, i don't think i would have gotten uh tons of variety in terms of food but uh yeah when you mentioned about you know literacy i think um i think it was the same under under stalin when he took over in in uh the ussr is that literacy rates went up for all the evils that happened there uh you know people could read which yeah. Yay. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's. I would have also loved to get outside um, the city a little bit more. I mean, like I said, we flew into Veradero, which is a, uh, more a resort town. We took a, a bus. Um, you know, there's a, you know, their, their regional bus service or whatever into Havana. You know, pretty, very nice modern buses. I think Chinese made, obviously. Um, and we were... Uh, <laughs> There was one Canadian waiting with us, and uh, middle-aged man traveling by himself. We were speaking a little bit, and then he tells me uh, he comes to Cuba quite often. He has a little, you know, hut on the beach or whatever, and his two favorite places in the world are uh, Cuba and Thailand. And this might just might be my cynical mind, but hearing a single man say that, my first thought two seconds later was, "Ew." But you know, obviously, don't no, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not alone there, Kath. That, that does give me the heebie-jeebies a little bit, certainly. I mean, like, so you, so you say you didn't, because you didn't get to, so you didn't get to travel out a great deal. Because again, one of the things my mum said it was like she said when she was driving around, and apparently it was really hard to get a hire car over there. That's one really boring observation she gave me. Um, but she said <laughs> when they were driving around, there were like barely any signposts around, and it, and um, you know, you kind of had to know where you're going, otherwise you were going to get very, very lost. Yeah, it'd be it would certainly be an interesting experience for me. Um 
mostly because, I mean, like I said, it feels like if you have a car in Cuba, then you have a taxi, and, and guys essentially set their own rates. So uh, that's the first thing to be aware of. Uh, and then getting uh, – it seemed like this bus network that I was on. I can't remember what it was called. But um, it uh, it did kind of fan out well enough. I don't think I would have imagined, um, you know, getting a car rental – quite easily there um but uh yeah i mean i like uh, i don't know if you've ever seen it there's a canadian travel show called departures uh which is you know it's wonderful television guys are out of toronto um uh, scott wilson justin lukash and andre dupuy and it was many years ago and they did a, a cube episode where they sort of went out and uh, there's this this sort of running market where people essentially you know, welcome boarders into their, their homes temporarily and their sort of unofficial hotels. And from what I've gathered that, the, you know, the government was kind of clamping down on those. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, you know, you get the taste in Havana. Um, you know, I didn't, we spent no time in Veradero because, you know, we were on our way to Havana and it's, it's mostly resorts anyway. So I don't think of that as really a genuine experience. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it would certainly be, you know, if I go back again, and I presume it's it's not sort of top of my list, but um, if I do go back again, I imagine it would be for a World Cup qualifier, uh, you know, and then I would probably try to take a few extra days and, and poke around a little bit more because, um, you know, it was, it, was, uh, it, it was a different experience. You are in, in a different part of the, you know, different kind of way of doing things compared to, you know, other Latin American countries. Yeah, I must admit, I mean, it's not high on my list of places to go to, like there are, you know, I'd like to go to, you know, Bolivia, Colombia, uh, Costa Rica, like there's there's a lot on this part of the world that I'd definitely visit before Cuba, but there's, you know, there are aspects of it which sound like they've got the kind of, um, the charm that Eastern Europe has to me, really, you know, of Cuba, where it, is, it seems like a little bit, a little bit run down, but it has its charm, it has its, you know, distinct identity, so, you know, I, I would, I'd like to visit anywhere, but, um, yeah, it's, it's admittedly not high on my list, I mean, I expect, I'm making a presumption here, that it is, you know, you probably managed to avoid a lot of it, but it probably is very touristy. Yeah, well, that's it. That's why, you know, Veradero holds no real appeal for me. It's, uh, you know, even in Havana where, you know, I imagine it's still quite touristy. We, uh, apart from the game, I don't really remember seeing many at all. And so it's, uh, you know, you are a bit outside the comfort zone a little bit just because it is it is the big city in Cuba and there's a lot going on. But, um, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, it's depending on where you go, uh, you know, you'll probably run into Canadians from somewhere because that's a it's a big, you know, obviously a popular place for steel. And it would be interesting to know, like, uh, you know, under Obama, relations were eh, they were they were normalized. Certainly progress was made. And then under Trump, they sort of reverted back. So, um yeah, it would be interesting to see, uh, you know, if it's ever opened up to the U.S., um, you, you know, how many American tourists would go down there. I'm just revisiting some of the, the pictures that I've seen. And, yeah, the, the old cars are really neat that they really they really still maintain. Um, and, yeah, the, uh, 
the buildings in Havana, you could tell that once upon a time were quite stately or now sort of run down a little bit. And uh, I feel like I should ask you one question and it's like, it doesn't interest me in the slightest. I must say, you know, I don't, I know when like, you know, like when I have a kid or when there's a kind of celebration that there's always this guy who pulls out a cigar, you know, it always happens. And like, I, I, I'm not faulting them because some of the guys who pulled out a cigar on those kind of occasions, I know some of the people I love more than anybody else, but it's not really my thing. You know, I'd, I'd rather, you know, have a nice drop of scotch or something like that. I mean, but I understand that Cuban cigars are, you know, one of the best within their field. I mean, did you have a little uh, puff on a cigar when you were down there? I didn't. And again, I'm like you, where it's not, doesn't really appeal to me. Smoking is smoking and it's, you know, it's bad for you either way. Um, so no, uh, my grandfather used to smoke cigars and I'm sure he would have loved it. Um, but uh, yeah, it just, it just was not my thing. When I was getting out of the, uh, at the Veradero airport, I did buy a, like a two and a half dollar bottle of rum. So that was something. I think I gave it to my brother. Uh, but uh, yeah, the, the, the cigar appeal of it, not so much. I, I, I would again, you know, just leave a but I would certainly go watch it being watch them being made and being rolled and again that uh, I mentioned departures they they do see some of that happening and um, yeah so it's, it's sort of like me where I'm not a huge coffee drinker but I am sort of fascinated on you know where and how it's grown and how it becomes you know goes from the plant to to the cup so I, I, you would likely never catch me smoking a Cuban cigar, but I would certainly be interested to seeing, you know, how they get made. Yeah, I would as well, definitely. Did you try any um, honey down there by any chance? I didn't. Should I have? <laughs> um, this is this this leads me nicely to my final fact of the day, which is um, uh, they they've not basically Cuba hasn't been able to afford pesticides since the nineteen nineties. So it's one of the only places on the world that can guarantee their honey, all of their honey, is organic. Well then, I, uh, huh, I will keep that in mind for next time. Hopefully by then, you know, they don't open things up too much. <laughs> so that, uh, yeah, that would certainly be an interesting taste. No, that, that ends the uh, podcast on a sweet note, I suppose. Uh, oh, jeez. Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, sorry, I put you in a sticky end in here now, haven't I? You want to keep going? You're on a roll, Dan. No, no, I'll tap out now. I want to have a second beer. I've, I've got a buzz on now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. How, how far are you on that can? Oh, it's gone. It's dead. I enjoyed myself. Wow. Okay. Well, I hope that just meant you had fun conversation. Uh, I think we'll be uh, going into our hometown teams in a future episode, so we will hear about uh, where was it again? Uh, Glossop, they're not even in my hometown. It's where my mum lives, and I love it there. there. I might talk about. That. I might. I might talk about Shrewsbury one time as well. I I, I I do want to ask about that too. But uh, yeah, we'll get into those soon enough. But uh, Dan, this was uh, this was another fun time, and uh, hopefully people enjoy listening to this. Thank you. Thanks for listening.